1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Guys, you know we've reached the dead part of the offseason when I'm getting excited about European preseason games. Hockey, please come back.
2: I think it's our best one yet, Matt. What's going on, folks? Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. We are the Tracking the Storm podcast. And this week, we are very excited to bring y'all another very special guest. We did this a couple weeks ago where we brought Aaron Schwartz on to kind of take a look and peel back the onion a little bit and see what goes on inside the Carolina Hurricanes organization. And we're going to do that again this week. But before we get into that, we are a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So let's take a quick word from DraftKings. The NFL is back, ladies and gentlemen, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving every new player an incredible offer for week one. If you bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season, you'll receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. So hurry up, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now to take advantage of these limited time offers. That's right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets on any bet of a dollar or more on any week one game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odd boosts they're offering. Plus, you can make any game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get an instant $200. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Tonight, we are very excited to welcome another very special guest onto the show. And that is Carolina Hurricanes Senior Director of Marketing, Dan Latorica, right?
3: Spot on. I'm not
2: picky about the pronunciation, but you did nice. great. I meant to ask you that before I did this, but I oh mean,
1: well. Th- these <laughs> guys <laughs> didn't know how to pronounce my last name for about like about two <laughs> months into the show. We so really did. We had yeah, this yeah, podcast yeah. for a while and uh, like I had no idea I was, I was just the, the Hayden Fleury <laughs> obsessor. <dude. laughs> the Hayden <laughs> I, Fleury, basically, That's Basically, that's my last name. So.
3: Alex Fleury. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, Alex Dan,
2: Fleury. thank you so much for, <laughs> for taking the time to join us tonight.
3: Thank you for having me. It's a a pleasure to be talking to you guys and I'm sure we're going to have a a fun conversation tonight.
2: Oh yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to it. Um, All right, so just to kick things off, why don't you just on a basic level just kind of run down what you as the Senior Director of Marketing for the Carolina Hurricanes, what's your day-to-day like um, in season, out of season,
3: whatever? So uh, you know, the beauty of working in sports is no two days are alike um, but a typical day is, is a lot of running around and making sure everybody on my staff is, is in position to succeed. That's uh, the phrase I use probably too much at work. But uh, I, I oversee our, our creative services team, our um, our digital team. I work closely with our merchandise team. Um, and that's a whole bunch of different people from social media managers and coordinators to uh, you know, retail type specialists to graphic designers, to video producers, to email marketing people. So it's a, a lot of different things going on at the same time, all that sort of focus on uh, building our brand, engaging our fans, driving revenue, meeting business objectives, working with other departments. So it's uh, it's always a lot. It's uh, always chaotic. It's a lot of emails. Um, you know, it's, it's very different than earlier in my career when I was sort of more in the weeds with posting on social media or sending those emails. Uh, Now it's more just making sure my staff is, is we're working together to come up with a plan and making sure they have everything they need to uh, succeed there. So uh, that's kind of a a day to day there right now in the the graveyard time of the off season uh, day to days right now. It's, it's a lot of getting prepped for the season. Uh, So much work. I I tell us a lot of people, the off seasons are actually busier for us than the regular seasons. There's, there's a routine to the regular season. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, pleasant, it's still a grind, but the off season, it, it's so much prep. And in this case too, we've been hiring a lot of people. We've been uh, inheriting departments. We've been, um, you know, reevaluating a lot of our processes, especially after the pandemic has sort of winded down or at least gotten to a more manageable spot where we can have fans in, in the, uh, the arena. So it's, it's a lot of prep work. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of getting things ready, you know, for opening night. And then, uh, then of course the, the full season there too. So, Ah, uh, pure chaos right now is kind of what I would call it, uh, but it's in a good way. It's Controlled chaos. Uh, we've got a great crew on right now, and we're adding a lot of talent too. That you know, you guys will see in the coming days and weeks, and uh, uh, to our staff there. But uh, you know, it's it's no two days are alike, and it's always you know what sort of curveball is going to be thrown our way. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of a meeting, and the next thing you know, you sign a player to an extension, and you have to drop everything and, and roll with that. So never a dull moment. But especially this offseason, with the way the NHL calendar was, when we had the expansion draft and the schedule release and the entry draft and free agency all within like five days of each other. Um, I would have probably preferred that to be spaced out a little bit, but you know, you get what the, the cards are dealt and we hopefully did the best job we could with it.
0: And coupled with the fact that the Canes not only drafted everybody, but also signed everybody. I mean, oh, man. you know, <laughs> that was that's, something. that's a solid a PR you know, work. 36 hours worth of work just
3: right there. And hat tip to our social manager, Matt Suter. So Michael Smith um, was on paternity leave during that whole period. He left right before the expansion draft, I think. So it was Matt and me kind of on our own for a couple of days there. And we had just kind of gotten acclimated with the website and the CMS again and got comfortable with it. And, uh, I was up in Jersey during the um, the draft itself. My son was getting baptized. And um, so I was helping a lot, as much as I could with drafts, like pulling photos and getting social graphics prepped. But Matt was... Running point on so much of that. And I was like, oh, it should be simple. We talked about the draft. We compared it to previous years. We're like, ah, it's be a couple of picks. It's easy. Day <laughs> two is going to be quiet. It's great. And then it was like that Elmo gift where everything's on fire behind them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not stopped. So yeah, yeah. It was uh, that I've never had a draft quite like that. I've done I've worked NFL drafts, NBA drafts. Uh, I believe that is the it ties the record for the most players drafted in franchise history. Um, in a Jones I think, history, I believe. Yeah, yes. in '83 the Whalers went nuts like that and drafted like a thousand people, or closer to thirteen, but in that range. Yeah, uh, they and even
0: we, thought about breaking the record too.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah set
1: <laughs> that a record one. for the Hurricanes in this franchise since the move yes. to Raleigh. So that's that's pretty Jeez. cool, obviously. Yeah, well, isn't the NHL record fourteen, it. 14 or thirteen? Yeah,
2: one, 13. one off thirteen would have been is thirteen. We, guys, the it record died. would have been
0: fourteen. Right, oh, and we're going to so hit every single one. Yes, every single one is going to be all
1: That would have been. All right, okay. man. So, so tell us a little bit about your path towards getting to the NHL. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've spent time working with the Nets. You've worked with the Panthers. You know, you've been in some other situations. Yeah. How, how has your path gone towards getting to the Hurricanes and how have you enjoyed your time with the team so far?
3: Yeah. So I'll start, you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, even before that, you know, I went to school way back in the early 2000s. I wanted to be a high school English teacher. Uh, I was pretty garbage at that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, I grew up loving baseball, clearly. I mean, I'm not sure if there's a video component of this, um, for the actual podcast, but I'm wearing a Yankees hat right now. Uh, that's, that was a big part of, you know, my, my family growing up, my identity growing up, growing up in Jersey, everybody's a lot of people are Yankee fans. It's a big part of, uh, what got me into sports obsessively. So with, you know, statistics and metrics and all that, it's only math I ever cared about. Um, when I was in college, uh, I went to school at the university of Scranton, which is more famous for the office now than, uh, other things. (laughs) Um, But uh, the Yankees moved their AAA team there. And I saw that as an opportunity to to try my hand at being a sports writer. And uh, so I I switched my major from education to journalism. And I I jumped hard into all that stuff. I I wrote for the city paper, the school paper. Uh, I worked for a magazine, uh, scout.com, like the subsidy uh, for for a bunch of years called Pinstripes Plus. Uh, I covered Yankees farm systems and all that kind of thing. I had a blog back then when blogs were cool. Um, you know, and uh, I, I cover the team a lot. And in, in the New York market, it's it's hard fun and job as a sports writer. And I wasn't that good at what I was doing anyway. So uh, even more difficult there. So I ended up getting a job at a small digital marketing agency in, in Manhattan. And uh, I, I learned a lot of stuff there about this is back in 2009, 2010, when social media was just starting to get used by brands. Uh, it was I don't know if you all remember Dig uh, that site at all. and stumbled upon and those things that they were big for, you know, gaming the the search algorithms in order to get more traffic to your website for clients. So social marketing was big. SEO was starting to get big. I learned a lot of that stuff. And um, after a couple of months of doing that, a much larger agency offered to give me much better money. So I moved across the street, uh, started doing that, and um, never really lost my my vision for wanting to work in sports. So I learned enough skills there where I could consult for sports teams on the side for for free basically kind of undervaluing my skill set but still getting some um some experience in in understanding what that landscape is like and after uh, about a year or so of doing that uh, I had a couple job offers on the table and uh, the the one that was the best fit for me and and my girlfriend now wife is uh, was the Carolina Panthers so from uh, from Bergen County New Jersey to Charlotte North Carolina and that was a bit of a culture shock uh, you know I learned a lot about bojangles and sweet tea and barbecue and not shoveling snow, um, but it was a great opportunity. I, I was the, their first social person and my role expanded a lot out of the gate. I, I got in the door as a social like guy, for lack of a better word. And within a couple of weeks, I was handling analytics and email marketing and mobile app stuff. And the role just expanded every year there. Uh, and we had a good run. You know, having players like uh, Cam Newton and Luke Keekley made my job really easy. Uh, and it was at a time where social was so new for brands that we could take chances and do things that probably would have gotten me fired nowadays. Um, but it was, it was a, it was a good run and um, spent about six years there. And I took uh, their kind of, not I, but collectively our, our marketing team took their, the social following from one of the lowest uh, in the NFL and least engaged to the most. Um, when I started, I think they had 20 something thousand followers. And when I left, they had a couple million and that was a good six-year wow. run. A Super Bowl run will do that. Um, but oh, yeah. I learned a lot there about kind of what works and what doesn't. Um, and uh, it was, it was a good run. Um, and six years into that, my wife and I were having a kid at the time, and you know, we loved living in Charlotte. It was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make was to move on. But sometimes in sports, you got to leave an organization to grow. And um, we wanted to go closer to home in Jersey. I grew up a big uh, Nets fan, um, so when an opportunity came up with Brooklyn sports entertainment, uh, I had to take it it was uh, a great opportunity. And I was uh, hired to oversee the digital and the social and all that stuff for the nets, the Islanders, the Barclays center, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And it was, it was great. It was an awesome time, but I really missed living down in the Southeast. So I had known the Canes a little bit, some people there um, from my time at the Panthers, they invited me up for a social media night back in, hold on. uh, March 31st, 2016, still have one of the pucks um Yeah, and uh, that was it was great. I, I loved like I loved the arena. I'd never been to Raleigh before, really, so it was cool to see all that. Uh, I don't remember the outcome of the game, but that was my first hockey game ever, um, and it was it was fun. Uh, it was a great time, um, and so I knew them from that. And when I saw a job was posted, I started talking to Mike Foreman. Then there he was, then their senior director of marketing, and started asking a couple of questions and started basically saying like, you know, I know it's a, it's a manager level job. If you guys can come up a little bit, I can come down a little bit and maybe we can meet in the middle here. Cause I think that we could work together really well. And uh, it has been by far the best career move I've ever made in my life. Um, you know, I'm, it's, it is a great organization. I'm not saying that cause they, they put food on my table. I, like I can honestly say they, they have, they have treated me and everyone I work with with respect and kindness. They have given me so many great opportunities and, you know, this isn't to um, diminish anything that I've experienced at other organizations, but I'm not really told no a lot. We're, we're giving opportunities to take risks and take chances and try things differently. Ownership, uh, whether it's Tom or, or, or even you know Don, they're tremendous assets in, in helping support the stuff we want to do from a t-shirt that has the word jerk on it to whatever else we want to take chances on. They're supportive and they allow us to take risks, which has in turn helped really established the brand in, in a new way in the past couple of years so it's been it's been fun obviously the team on the ice is the biggest piece of that puzzle but um, you know you always want to be able to take that further you want to capitalize on any success that you have and uh, we've been in position to do that so it, it's been a great run hopefully we've got some exciting times ahead I think we do um, but uh, I, I really enjoyed the nature of this organization and especially our marketing team it's, it's a good culture and a good group and I, I obviously I can't share like names and specifics yet but we added a ton of talent to our marketing staff this offseason, and none of that is like official yet. They're still in the process of moving here and stuff, but we got some some good people joining our team.
1: Yeah, you know, as as a fan, that's obviously very encouraging to hear, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you know all our listeners are going to be inspired by that. But you know what? I found it very interesting that you know you said you started out as a big baseball fan, um, yeah. and you eventually moved into into the NFL, and from there you went to the NBA. So, I mean, hockey was never your first passion you kind of, you kind of had a role in, you know, all four major sports leagues in the States. So how how would you take your experiences from those organizations and, you know, your overall fandom and love for baseball, and then, you know, finally getting some experience in both the NFL and the NBA. And then you come into a uh, hockey situation where, you know, you're not very familiar with the sport when you first come in, Uh, how would you take your experiences from those other situations and kind of convert that into, you know, now you're in a lead role in in an NHL organization where, you didn't really know a whole lot of this sport and you're kind of new to the game overall. How did that transition
3: go for you? it's a a great question, Alex. And, Firstly, like I'll never work in baseball, probably. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I love it too much to ruin it for myself like that or ruin the sport. But I I tell my staff this, I just, I literally just said it today too. I was like, it's important to maintain some levels of fandom when you do work in sports um, just because it can be easy to forget what it feels like to be a fan when you're so bogged down with this stuff. And that's such an important part of, uh, you know, what we do is understand how fans behave and and what matters to them. So I, I always I always like, you know, encourage uh, a everyone on our staff to attend a game as a fan, like the whole experience uh, from parking and any headaches that may come with that or not come with that to concessions, to everything else, go buy something in the store, go sit, you know, enjoy the game. And I want to hear what their experience is like, because that perspective is important. But um, to be totally honest with you, I grew up watching a lot of baseball and a lot of basketball. Didn't really watch a lot of football. I was a very casual Giants fan. That was just kind of the, the team my family rooted for. And, um, when I got the job with the Panthers, I, I kid you not, I had to get football for dummies. And I read that as a grown man on a bus commuting to my job in New York for, you know, the weeks before I, I left that, that job there to move down to Charlotte. So, um, I, I moved to the, to Charlotte on September, um, 9th or 10th, uh, 2011, I live tweeted a game two days later and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. There was a lot of fake to make that first year. And I was so lucky that I could, the best skill I learned in my first job in advertising was outside of search engine marketing and social media marketing was BSing um, because you could really <laughs> sort of um, throw some buzzwords out there and buy yourself a little, little trust that way and kind of figure stuff out as you go. And, and that's, I really committed myself to that figuring stuff out as you go type stuff. Um, but hockey was similar. Like I, I'll say this, like no one could ever prepare you for what hockey culture is. Uh, and I, I fully admit I did not know and still do not know all of the nuances to it. It is a very unique community of fans. And I mean that in a positive and, and appreciative way to me, hockey fans are, are some of the most true sports fans out there. And uh, especially Canes fans. I'm not just saying that because I work for the team. Like there, there's a special level of passion that the Keynes fans have for their team. And there's probably a lot of things that go into that recipe, like being the only pro team in town and, you know, winning a cup in that, early 2000s where there's a lot of nostalgia associated with that there, there there's a lot of things that factor into it too there's a lot of pride and civic pride that goes into being a canes fan too um, but the, the nuances of hockey culture and fandom and just the sport itself there you know there's uh, there's a lot that it'll take years and years to learn and I'll fully admit I don't get all of it yet and I hope to learn more of it um, but there's a couple of things that I had an advantage with one was I had a really great staff that was patient with me asking dumb questions uh, and two, uh, I was joining an organization at a time when they were at a sort of crossroads. There was a new new head coach, new owner, second overall pick, uh, new uniform, really just a, a, a new outlook on things. And that afforded me and our team the opportunity to try things differently. I mean, not a lot of teams can pull off the storm surge. Uh, a young team like the Canes can. So then it comes down to how important is a technical and nuanced knowledge of the game versus being able to capitalize in a fun and different and bold way on what makes the game fun. And, you know, the storm surge is not a traditional part of the game. We are a non-traditional team. It's easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's a little easier to capitalize on that. Than, you know. I rather zag when everyone else is zigging. And a lot of people are zigging in hockey, like let's, let's zag. And that fortunately intersected at the right time with the storm surge, with our social strategy, with everything else like that. I hate to use a, a weather pun, but that 2018, 2019 season was uh, the perfect storm for us in a lot of ways as a brand between Andre, between Rod, between the the playoff drought ending, between the storm surge, Evander Holyfield, all that stuff. That oh yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was lucky in the Panthers 2015 season. When we went <laughs> it was a lot of work. Winning is winning is more work than losing. It was, it, I lost hair from that season. It was, it was a lot, but I don't think anything will ever be as special. I hope, I hope we have another special season, but like for me, that season is probably the favorite of my sports career so far, just because yeah, I didn't know hockey that much. And that almost allowed me to enjoy it more. Um, but just seeing all that stuff happen, it was like, Oh man, it was, it was just special. But anyway, um, long story short, I got as many books as I could. And I tried to figure out the nuances of hockey and read, you know, what I could and learn what I could. And, you know, I still don't know it as well as I know baseball, but I know goals are important. I know Rod is a great coach. I, you know, I think I know the basics and, and I trust our staff to, to also absorb that stuff. Um, you know, could I recite salary cap rules? No, but most fans can't either. And what matters is the stuff that matters to fans. So uh, that, that's something that I think everyone on our team can appreciate and can, can capitalize on.
0: You know, you mentioned a bunch of jerks earlier, and that's obviously something that not only just the fan base, but it seems like everybody in the NHL kind of recognizes now. Um, And you've kind of built that into the brand and made, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes as a team and an online brand very accessible to a wider range of not just you know, fans living in North Carolina, but fans, you know, saying Quebec and fans in Sweden stuff like that, you know, all over the place. So kind of what makes the Hurricanes such a, I guess, just such a brand that you can get behind.
3: There's a lot of layers to that. Um, I think early on part of it was unfortunately the lack of success. Like you think back to the Cubs uh, before they went to the world series and won it. You think about Golden State before they became so dominant. You think about the Cleveland Browns plus already getting good. Um non-consistent winners are a lot easier to root for because they're non-threatening. Whereas you have a team that gets good, it's a lot easier to hate. So you really want to be in that sweet spot of when you first get good, everybody loves you. You want to capitalize on that. You're they're you're okay being like the the their second favorite team. So that's like for the the other fans and other people that are like, Oh, I'm an abs fan, but I'm also a Canes fan. A, that seems to be a little more common in hockey um, B that is something that like there, there's a small window there that we want to be respectful of. And it doesn't last forever. It, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's part of the, the deal where at least from a national standpoint, but we're really focused on kind of the regional fans. That's not to say we don't appreciate our fans that are you know not in North and South Carolina. We love every single fan. They're an important part of what we are and who we are. Um, especially considering like just from a a military standpoint, how many people that are maybe from here and spend time in military bases here might be overseas, all that kind of stuff. You know, we want to be respectful and appreciative of that, but we also know that um, being rooted in North Carolina is a big part of this, what this brand is. So um, kind of to answer your question a little bit and not ramble um, it's, it's really important to build a strong relationship with the local fans at a deep, deep level on social media, through email, through all every type of correspondence, ticketing, all that, and make everybody feel valued and loved. Because if you want someone to invest in you, you got to invest in them first. And this is a social strategy that worked with the Carolina Panthers. It worked with the Nets. It was, it's worked with the Canes. And it hasn't been like a, ha, ah, we fooled you into loving us kind of thing. It's more of a, uh, you know, we fans do matter to us. Like we care what they have to say. We care what they think we, we really want to make sure that we're listening to them. Um, the feedback we pay attention to like, and that's, that's our job to do so. And like with the, we let fans vote for a goal song, things like that. Or, or we understand like there's certain uniforms that are more popular than others that perhaps like, all right, how can we leverage that stuff more and that passion more? How can we take a cue from our fans and really capitalize on, on what they want? So that's uh, that's part of it. You know what?
1: Every, everything you just said resonates a lot with me because you know, I'm an out of town fan. I'm in Canada actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what you said holds a lot of weight because, you know, being in Ottawa, um, I've never, like like you said, a lot of fans have a second team. My second team is the Senators just because they're my local team. And, mm-hmm. you know, throughout my lifetime, I've never really had a point where both the Senators and the Hurricanes were a good team. You know, when the Hurricanes are struggling throughout the past decade, the Senators were pretty good throughout that. And, you know, people around me would be like, you know, why the hell are you a Hurricanes fan? And it, you know, it comes with the loyalty that I've had to the team, you know, since a young kid. And, uh, growing up, I, I idolized Arthur Zierbe. I wanted to be him, which is kind of how I became a fan out here. But, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of what you said really resonates with me because if people do want to see um a, like a team that's really struggled and, you know, a fan base that's kind of struggled throughout the past years, you know, finally turn it around and get on the right track. And, you know, out here in Ottawa with the last three years with the Hurricanes really turning the ship around and becoming a competitive team. I've got more people uh, in Ottawa being like, you know what, I'm going to cheer for the Hurricanes with you throughout the playoffs now that the Senators aren't really doing good. So it's definitely a way that you can really drive up hype in a fan base, especially around the league when, you know, your team and your own local market isn't really doing good. And then, you know, you see another team that's just really easy to cheer for with the storm surge. And, you know, out here, Don Cherry's obviously a big figure in Canada. So him calling the team jerks, people build off that. And, you know, it's really nice to hear your words on that. And it kind of resonates with me in like a very personal way.
3: Well, I appreciate that. And, and the thing is, we were so, so lucky uh, in that first season there, the Don Cherry stuff, all that. Like, it's not often the team on the ice and their behavior and performance can perfectly align with the marketing strategy. And none of that was planned. Like I that the Canes game exactly. against the Islanders with the, that first storm surge. I didn't know if that was normal or not. I was like, is that they supposed to do that at the end when they crashed in the ice there? I'd I'd never seen that. I I caught a couple Islanders games when I was up in Brooklyn, but that was really, and I didn't always stick to the end. Um, Don't tell my old bosses that though. It's not like they can fire me now, but still. Um, But the thing is, uh, I, I didn't know what that was. And then seeing it and then reading the fan response and all the media that came with it, it was like, well, this is really cool. And this aligns with sort of like I don't want to say irreverent, but sort of the social voice we were going for. We Fans in North Carolina, um, they kind of have a chip on their shoulder. They're first-generation fans still for their pro teams anyway. We're still kind of cultivating long-term loyalty and and second-generation fans and all that. So creating a a sense of identity is, is so, so important. And this gave us the opportunity to do so, to be bold and fun and different, especially a sport that sometimes does have a reputation of being overly conservative and sometimes a little stuffy. That's not the case when you really peel back the layers and you really look at what hockey is, but to the casual outsider who isn't as familiar with hockey, they may see something that's just, you know, like baseball has the same problem right now. You know, it's, I love the sport. I'll always love it, but it does have a reputation of being a little bit more, you know, geared towards an older crowd, a crowd that is less interested in action and more interested in, I don't know, the strategic numbers aspect of it. And you know, I, I think now people are paying more attention to hockey, especially in this market. And that helps a lot too, but it's so rare to have that intersection of like the social and marketing brand being aligned with like what's going on on the ice from the storm surge to, you know, anything else with Svetch doing the, the lacrosse goal, all that. It, it, it is, it is such a gift from them. And it, it is completely driven by all of them. I mean, I firmly believe that Justin Williams deserves a statue at some point outside the, uh, the arena for kind of helping, launch the storm surge and other players do too as well. But, you know, I can only afford one statue right now. So that's the one <laughs> I'm going for the short term, but you know, that was such a, that's such an important thing and it just fed in perfectly to the bunch of jerks and the playoff run. And I was just watching the, the video we produced yesterday because one of our old social interns got a job with the, the Blackhawks and um, she was asking about it. It was after the Canes clinched their playoff berth, um in in 2018 one of our video guys Zach Bream, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with who's just fantastically talented put together this clip it was like the final goal that got or the final minutes against the devils and then all the fans like celebrating and hugging somewhere in tears and just to see that it's, I like to go back and watch that one just because it shows you how much emotion there is and passion there is and you know it's it's it was a special year and then we're hopefully we're going to continue building on that and You know, we've had two seasons in a row here impacted by COVID, um, which which absolutely sucks. Um, But we're looking forward towards a full season, and you know, there's of course going to be restrictions and things like that, and we're still dealing with a lot of this stuff. But we're hoping it'll be a season that still feels special once the team hits the ice and we're getting some wins.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's definitely been a dramatic turnaround. You know, these two lads here can attest to me that you know, during the early part of the past decade, I mean, with you know, just the results of the team on the ice and not a whole lot to be excited about. You know, the, the, the building was kind of empty here and there. And it, you know, it was just there was a lot of negativity around the team. And, you know, it's understandable after you yeah. know, the dark days that we went through, we all stuck around, obviously. But, you know, now that you guys have really turned around the ship and you guys, you have done a fantastic job marketing the team to not, not only to building hype in the market, but also around the NHL where the, the Hurricanes seem to be a very easy team to root for. You know, now that we're going on three straight years of success and continuing to try and build off that, what's your guys' strategy for trying to keep that hype up and keep generating more hype moving forward with the group?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, it's a great, great question and a good segue. My boss and I have been talking about this past couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Foreman, who you guys are definitely familiar with, um, you know, we, we've had we, we talk constantly about big picture ideas and directions we want to take things and. There's been a couple that have been, you know, tough nuts to crack uh, over the past couple of years of, you know, ways we wanted to enhance the game entertainment and game day experience. Uh, you know, that type of thing. Merchandise has been another one. Um, there's a lot of stuff we want to do on social to take it to a next step. Um, video too is an area where we wanted to just see if we can push the envelope and the way things shook out this off season, we were able to address a lot of those things. We're enhancing our in-game entertainment. You saw probably some social postings about, you uh, kind of a, a, a different sort of storm squads, the wrong word, but you know, we're a hype team essentially that we're recruiting for right now. And auditions I believe are, are this weekend. Yeah. We've recently the marketing team has has, um, has basically uh, has joined forces with merchandise, and we hired some uh, talented uh, young woman from the NFL, from the Browns, and someone else from the Mudcats who is uh, award winning in what she does to kind of lead up our merchandise and retail efforts. Um, on the social side, I can't like say it yet because they didn't actually tweet that like they're joining the team yet because they're still finishing up some things at their job. But we added a, a really talented social media coordinator. As y'all know, Michael Smith left and. We've, we have gotten some really good talent that is replacing uh, that role too that is going to be here soon. So uh, on the website side and the writer side, I'm actually still interviewing for that one. That's one other story, but still video people too. Uh, so we're all the areas where we saw there's opportunity for improvement. We've been like, as luck would have it, we've been able to address and, and add to it and, and add the right people. And something that I rant on a lot is, is in order to be successful in the sports industry and the, the marketing, the brand side, it's the three Ps. And this sounds like a lame motivational poster, but it's people process and planning. And if you do those things properly, it, people is more about, you know, investing in people, making sure that they feel valued and appreciated and they have what they need to succeed and planning and process. Those are, I mean, they speak for themselves. It's about getting ahead and meticulously planning and, and process is about people knowing what they're supposed to be doing and, and how things operate. If you have those all on point, you're going to be successful. And that's what has allowed us to be successful thus far. But Our goal right now is to enhance those elements that I listed before, but also I have a whole list of ideas of things that I haven't been able to like really push yet or our other people on our staff have all these ideas that we want to start really diving into and things that allow us to market to other areas in the state, whether it's, you know, Wilmington and Charlotte, things of that nature, or if it's, um, you know, ways to enhance just everything that we do where we feel like we're just scratching the surface Um, despite how fast paced sports is on the business side, it can be slow. It takes time to build a foundation and a process and all that. And there's a lot of areas where we want to get better in from, from, like I said, merchandise to fan engagement, to branding, to game giveaways, all that kind of stuff. It's all coming. And it's it's going to be really, really cool. Even like enhancing our theme nights and more warm-up jerseys and that kind of thing. Everything is on the table. We, um, like I, I, I'm I, not going anywhere. At least, I don't think so. But, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where nobody works in sports forever. Our time is finite, just like it is on this planet, right? Not to get too philosophical and whatnot. We want to make it really count while we're here, while this team is good. We want to do the best job possible for the fans and capitalize as much as possible, whether it is community outreach, whether it is game experience, whether it's social marketing, all that, this, this brand, this team means a lot to the fans, It's a big part of their identity. And we want to make them as proud as they possibly can be to be part of this. So, A lot of good stuff coming. That's a long ass rant right there. I apologize for that, but the the long and short of it is that I think you're going to see some really cool stuff in the next couple of years that we're doing, especially ahead of uh, two seasons from now, our 25th anniversary season, which is special, you know, 25 years in North Carolina is a big deal. And, you know, I know we just had our 20th anniversary a couple of years before I got to the Canes, but there's a a lot of stuff that's happened in the past five years that we can capitalize on and look forward to, you know, a really bright future.
1: Yeah, no, I can't I can't thank you enough for being so informative on these questions. And, you know, I'm
3: going to give the floor to
1: someone else here because I feel like I've been rambling the whole time asking all the questions. So still so someone else take a crack at it here. Matt, uh, have you been asked a question yet?
0: Uh, yes. I um, feel like I've been I'll asking ask, all the questions. I do have another you know one, though, if you guys don't mind. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, all right. So, you know, obviously when you got here, 2018, 19, we're still in the middle of a playoff drought. And you have to deal with what I would call, you know, a lot of apathy in the fan base, right? You know, nobody, people care, but they don't want to care at the same time. Um, I got
3: a good taste of that in my first couple of weeks of like, uh, some people have referred to him as complainiacs. You know, I, I, I view it <laughs> as... Uh, you know, I view it as fans that, you know, have passion and, and deep, care deeply about the brand. Like As you said, you know, anger is always better than apathy. But, you know, right. it's, I did get a good taste of that before the season started. And I, I get it. Like, it's you know, the team struggled for a couple of years there.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something where the fans are struggling to like the team. And now all of a sudden you've got this super passionate fan base where, you know, it's like they, they'd they go to war for this team, right? Mm-hmm. So So now that you have... It's kind of like a different, maybe the same culture, but just kind of a little bit of a shift. Has the has the vision for you guys changed at all? Or is the way you approach things any different? Or is it more or less the same?
3: You know, it, it's just
0: constantly, you know, wanting to do better and, and do more
3: and then push the envelope is key. After that first season, we made sure that we, we took a step back with our entire department and just to like, all right, let, let's take an inventory of, what we are right now because you know we have this team that's doing something we have this marketing team that's doing something and we evaluated what our kind of brand uh pillars are for lack of a better word and we invited the entire marketing team to participate in this and throw out words we had the whole easel thing like you see in tv shows when they're at advertising meetings or something and we took our feedback from our our staff we allowed everyone to have a voice in, in the room and what we came away with was bold regional and fun um and and that was the lens we wanted to view our marketing strategies through and in, in some shape or form so you know bold and fun that's easy i mean that's evander holyfield knocking out jordan martin on center <laughs> right. that's fun or that's a, a tweet that consistently you know makes fun of the fact that you know we did not invent diagonal uh we're just using it further <laughs> teams um or that's perhaps so cool. we're leaving certain teams out or maybe getting quiz notes to donate to our charity because someone compared our logo to that whatever <laughs> that kind of stuff that's <laughs> Bold and fun and different. And those are the things that we like to have a good time with. But regional is a big one, uh, especially for, for a lot of us in our team that we want to make sure that we're, we're really hitting on because there are a lot of, I don't ever want it to feel like, and this is not like a relocation thing. This is more of a, like, there's a lot of teams uh, in, in pro sports where you can pick them up and plop them somewhere else and their identity doesn't change at all. They can do the exact same thing anywhere. Um, like, and I'm, I'm not going to name names, but there are teams like that where it's like their, their brand identity doesn't like, doesn't matter that they're in X, Y, Z place. It's like that, that, that whole marketing thing can exist anywhere. I want to make sure, and I think the Canes have always done a good job of this, but I want to kind of put it on steroids for lack of a better word of weaving the culture and identity of North Carolina into what it means to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan, but then also have like being living in North Carolina, that's that. By doing that, you know, that part of doing that is, is being Carolina Hurricanes fan. Like it's kind of goes both ways that this is an important part of living here and and we're an important part of, of the state. And you've seen that in some of our videos and our, our like playoff collateral where they'll showcase in areas of the beach or the mountains. And we make sure we're highlighting other areas. It's yeah, the college colors, a.k.a. varsity lineup. Spoilers. That's the new name, everybody, for that that campaign where we're working with just about every every college I think we were expanding to Clemson in South Carolina this year for that one too. Um, every D one school, uh, in, in North Carolina too, uh, like where that's college, um, fandom is a big part of, of, of being here too, is looking at different theme nights and, and other cultural elements, food and merchandise and art and everything that kind of goes into being part of North Carolina. Um, we want to weave that into our brand tailgating. That's a big one. Like I, I know the Islanders fans are really passionate and good at tailgating. I'm never going to, tell someone from Long Island that they're not good at that because I'll get beat up. But I will say that tailgates are a little different in, in the Carolinas, especially before college football games. And as you all know, we do share a parking lot with a college football stadium. And I do think that Kane's tailgates are among the best in pro sports. And that's something that it should be, and will continue to be a bigger part of our identity and our fans identity moving forward. Uh, and that's something that we need to lean into because that's something that just from the basic nature of our setup is something that we can do really well. So that, that's an important part of, of what it means to be here. I think that that's something I want to lean into a lot in the coming years. And we all want to, because it's, it's an important part of, of, of identity and sports fandom is a, identity is a big part of that. And we want to make sure that this team, like this is, this is a team of the Carolinas and it feels like that. Um, so that, that's a big piece there. Um, but those are the lenses we look at things through and they every idea is welcome. That's one thing. I've told every single person that we've been interviewing for new jobs here, or I tell our staff that that is you know, with us that every idea is valid. We create meeting structures and, and communication plans just for sharing ideas and giving everybody a voice because everybody has different perspectives. Whether we're from different areas of the country or we follow different teams or we have different philosophies on things, I want to make sure everybody has a voice because everyone has different good, big or small ideas that we can do to make something better. And it's something, you know, it can be something as simple as how we welcome new staff that joins our team with, you know, candy and, and some gear and that kind of thing to bigger ideas, like looking at soccer supporter sections. And is that saying that we can employ at some level in our game day experience and saying that hypothetically, but you know there there's there's so much opportunity there in, and in this market and with this this brand and organization that we want to continue capitalizing on that to make it as special as it can be
1: i mentioned that i'm an out-of-town hurricanes fan i'm from yeah. canada so i'm like i'm about a thousand miles away from the action and you know i, I interact with a lot of people on twitter you know sure. hurricanes fans from the united kingdom from you know even in australia from all over the world um and, you know, so um, what I'm kind of wondering is what's your guys' strategy for getting the casual fan or, well, I, I'd i probably say I'm a diehard, but, you know, it's more for the casuals from out of country, from, you know, everywhere around the world to really buy in and, and stay involved with the brand to the point that, you know, that you're going to get um, like all kinds of interaction from like just out like beyond outside of the market from like around the world. And like, you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. What's your guys' real strategy for, for, for luring the outside um, of the market fan into the brand?
3: It's a great, great question. And the first step is we have to be comfortable with accepting the fact that we're going to be some people's second favorite team. And I'm a okay with that. You know, I I obviously want to be as many people as possible first favorite team, but if we got to settle for second, I'm okay with that because the, the a you know the social metrics don't know that the the the, the, the bottom line doesn't know that like yeah. you know it, it's 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 not just about money and social metrics but it's if we are occupying the headspace and the heart space of someone even if we're not that first favorite team we're still there we're still hanging out there so it's 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 otherwise it's just semantics so we're f- first of all we're comfortable with that second uh we know that and we certainly build content to appeal not just to specifically hurricanes fans but hockey fans in general. And I think a lot of fans can identify with sort of the underdog nature that we will always have because of the market we're in and because of the nature of hockey. I mean, look, it's, it's no secret. The original six teams, the Canadian teams, they have a certain kind of a different fan base and a different like, identity than we will have. And that's okay. That's, that's what makes this sport and this whole world great is the differences that we have. Um, but uh, so being okay with that, that's the first thing. Gearing content, some ideas, but to be more appealing to a different type of audience, that's important too. Um, I think understanding that a lot of teams settle for being regional, and while that we want that to be part of our identity, because the identity and the the culture of North Carolina is an important part of what we want to capture as part of what we are, um, we have to understand that a lot of what we do is seen by people all over the country and the world. Um, when we sold a bunch of jerk shirts. Within the first couple of days, they sold to just about every continent, like where they were selling in Canada, they were selling in in China and Europe and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's a great reminder that just because we tweet something and most of the people reading the tweet are coming from the Raleigh area doesn't mean like there's thousands of others that see that stuff. So being cognizant of that is important, but it all comes down to the most important thing. And I think we can thank Rod Brendamore for this. Uh, that, that man is, is a leader is a natural leader, but he's also, uh, you know, he, he look at after um, in the playoffs when he had his dad and the players singing happy birthday to his dad on the phone, the man creates culture and creates family and it doesn't matter where fans are from. We want to create that same sense of, of relationship and community from our fans and let them know that it doesn't matter where you call home you know, you will always have a home with with the Carolina Hurricanes community, you know, and that's an important thing to cement and establish and lead by example. And that's something that Rod does very well, obviously, but that kind of seeps into how how we uh, handle our brand right there and how we kind of create a community. And a lot of that, it can be as simple as one to one engagement on social media, letting people know that their voices are heard and we're engaging with them or you know, letting them know that perhaps uh, you know' were we announcing a, a transaction momentarily in a few seconds and then tweeting that transaction things of that nature or whatever it may be to engage with fans but um, you know it's the kind of thing where creating a sense of community that's where social is different from other traditional marketing tools that didn't exist 20 years ago it allows you and I said this one before um, it allows you to speak with rather than speak at and the more people you speak with the better community you can build so reiterating that while well, North Carolina is you know, where we live, we understand where it's not where a lot of our fans live and we do adjust our content strategy, our messaging accordingly. It would be foolish to, to not engage that audience and, and not, um, you know, realize that they, they have just as much value as any other fan. They may never come to a game at PNC arena and that's okay. It doesn't make them any less of a fan. They need to know that they're loved and appreciated and, and part of this community and they're, wearing of the canes jersey their fandom is just as legitimate as someone who is a you know who has been to every single game since the greensboro days as many of them say so um that's
0: i've been there since greensboro (laughs) yeah i hear
3: it a lot and i love it i actually was in greensboro a couple weeks ago or months i don't know i I can't tell time anymore and i was at a barbecue spot with my dad and we i was wearing a canes gear and this, this older gentleman came up to me and just want to talk about the games really bad. And I was like, let's do it. Like, and I never tell anyone what I do for a living. I just, I rather talk and, and hear their honest perspective and, and all that. And this, this guy was passionate and knowledgeable and he was rattling off names that A, I had never heard of. So I was like taking <laughs> notes and what to Google later, but B like th- this guy was so passionate and you can see that there's, there's just such passion in this region for hockey. And uh, sometimes you forget, especially someone like me who's only experienced this in Raleigh. That there's a whole other history there in, in Greensboro that deserves to be acknowledged and celebrated, and it's part of what this team is, and that's something that's that's very special. But I do hear that a lot, and I always I always laugh because it was the same thing with with the Panthers fans. It was always like I've been a fan since the Clemson days, and hell, I mean I I do it too with uh, myself with the Nets. Like I've been a fan since the Jersey days, and then then someone will come back. Well, I've been a fan since the Long Island days, and I'll be like, all right, you win, but still. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a, an important part of being a fan and, and, but we do, we, we love and appreciate the ones that are, you know, from North Carolina and the ones that aren't in North Carolina. They're all, you know, we want every fan we can get. And, and that's important. And uh, I say that not out of desperation, but out of like, we want hockey to grow and we want the Carolina Hurricanes to grow. I mean that's my job too I do get paid for that, but you know, that is, it is an important thing for just for hockey to grow, these non-traditional markets have to thrive. And that's always something that does frustrate me about hockey culture. Um, you have a lot of fans and a lot of people that'll celebrate doing something different and, and like, oh, good on, you know, the Canes or the Florida Panthers for, or whoever for for doing this or that or winning this. And then in the next breath we'll, we'll be like, but they're not a real team. You know, they're not, they don't have real fans. And that to me is like, you know, you want this sport to grow. You want hockey to thrive we should be celebrating the teams that are in these non-traditional markets because that is how this game grows. And, um, you know, that, that's been an interesting part. Uh, every sport has that level of gatekeeping. It's not, it's not just hockey, but it is interesting to watch that from this perspective as someone who didn't grow up with this sport. Um, and it is something that I, I do think I've seen less of it in recent years and it's getting a little bit better, but that that's it, these teams in these, in these other, you know, the, well, Vegas is a great example like Vegas is a hockey market now. And that I never thought I would ever say those words, a, because I never really followed hockey growing up, but B uh, you know, it's just like, it's just a weird sentence to say. And now, you know, what they've done there and what Seattle is about to do, like whether that Seattle team is competitive or not, like, and I think they're going to be good. Like, I just, I I can't read hockey players the way you guys can. Um, But what they're about to do as an organization and the people they have there on the business side, that is going to be a wildly successful franchise. It already is, but it's going to like, that is going to raise the bar for everybody. And that's what we should expect every team to do is to continue to push, to make hockey the best sport it can be. And that means non-traditional markets. We want this game to grow. So I want to see more of that. I love seeing that. I love when Nashville is successful. I love when Florida is successful, all those teams that are in markets that, you know, didn't, you know, didn't grow up with hockey for lack of a better phrase, and uh, that, that is something that's – I don't know why I'm ranting on it, but it, it is important to me. I, I hope to see even more of that in the coming years.
0: I definitely agree this.
1: on Seattle. I mean, they, they, they've yeah. got Hayden Fleury <laughs> yeah. on, their, on their defense core. He you know had to mean? get they're, one of those there. The, the, Oh, come on, man. Come on? It, it's, it's, not, it's not a podcast without a Hayden Fleury mention. You know? I mean, it's they got true. Hayden Fleury on their defense.
3: Great, no geez, question, they're going to be a elite. Podcast. Great, no dude. Question. I, I, I love, look forward to watching him, him play. And Geeky, too. Let me tell you. Geeky is yeah, one of my favorites. We um, during our marketing shoot every year, where we, you know, we capture all the photos of everybody and then the green screen gifts and all that. I uh, last year we had to make it like super efficient because we had like COVID protocol and we had less time than we normally do. And I, I had these questionnaires for all the players to figure out while they were kind of queuing up for um, each station. And it was like favorite things. And if you guys are get the STM newsletters at all or see on social, you'll see those graphics pop up and i geeky actually is like oh i would like, he really took time to fill his out and he like gave really good answers but i remember he listed his favorite video game as mvp baseball 05 and i was like oh my god that's my favorite game like i've never everyone else was like call of duty and not, not to judge that I'm, I'm not a huge gamer but like i was like man this dude like i love this guy so he's a man of culture I, he had MVP 05, I was like yo geeky <laughs> is i want this guy to be a hall of famer right and i mean like,
1: like let's be honest here any defense group with Hayden Flurry in it, and they're they're better off, right? You know what I mean. That just it just makes the team God, much guess, better. Alex, so,
2: it.
0: so I'm excited yeah. to see them. Uh, to Any see team what with Ron right. Francis as their GM will not. Oh, succeed, they oh, they have Hayden
1: Flurry, man. They're, they're probably the Cup favorites. All right, you know, right
0: yeah, all right. Fleury.
3: They're uniforms too. Can say. we oh, can we kick Alex? Now,
2: roll out ran Everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put him in a waiting room. I can do that. Oh man. Um, does this happen every
0: show or what's that? That's his. bit. it's just like this is usual. We're not just is like the
2: greatest hockey player all the time I, I, Anyway, he is very him, talented
0: obviously geeky you know we're gonna miss him on the ice but I think the thing that I'm gonna miss the most is the fact that we didn't really get to see like a full like Pizza Hut sponsorship with the Canes <laughs>
2: right I know it's true it's like you're talking about with Quiznos and everything else earlier that was perfect <laughs> I
0: know I was like oh we really missed out on that, man. That right would have been so good. Uh, we had like a fun. couple tweets and that was it. We had- I did see somebody
2: out. on Twitter post like a picture of the Seattle area and there's like 50 Pizza Hut's like right within, like, <laughs> a mile of the stadium. It was something crazy like that. I was like, good Lord. And even though that many Pizza Hut's still existed. I know of like two in North Carolina.
3: <laughs> you know what though? I remember. So I actually, my dad signed me up for this magazine as a joke, but also because he knew I'd enjoy it, but it was a magazine for people who own pizzerias. I loved it. There was so many good things like, oh, this is the new trick for dough or check out this new refrigeration system. <laughs> but every year they had an issue um, where it would rank the top like 50 pizza chains in the country. I'll tell you what, Pizza Hut does pretty well um, financially. Like, this pizza is not that bad. No, it's I mean, actually pretty good. I, I can't comment on any pizza because A, I don't want to blow any sponsorship opportunities or B, I'm a pizza <laughs> snob. I will say there's a and <laughs> parry though that is very good. Um, but, there's a what? a uh, defara in uh, carry is uh, you guys should try that one that's that's close to, to brooklyn style that I, I do appreciate but um you know pizza hut and Domino's, those one and two right there they're killing it so um either one of them they want to come by and sponsor the canes more than welcome we we will have other players hawk your pizza so if you guys are listening i know a lot of big pizza execs whether it be little caesars or papa john's or um I don't know,
0: Bricks Pizza, uh, Jet. I can, I can go this on. This is
1: your chance. This, yeah. this is basically this is your chance.
0: I know all
3: of you guys. We all know
0: they're huge Caniacs, so listen to this. Huge tracking the Storm fans. We will make
3: a Trip Tracy pie. Uh, it can be any toppings, Trip once. <laughs> it'll be a special custom <laughs> one like the Shack pizza. It, it'll be we'll great. It'll be Trip Tracy, the taco <laughs> pizza. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? It's just, it's, it just fits the taco pizza.
0: Oh, there man. you go oh, yeah. oh, man, now on on.
1: taco bell on board
2: you
3: can too. even even oh, set up
2: yeah. a
1: drive through for him to go through,
0: that is you know it I mean? that's it that's marketing
2: <laughs> 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 all right well kind of sticking to the like player marketing uh yes. type you know we've kind of been talking about um i feel like especially in recent years like the nhl hasn't always done the best job of marketing its stars and and, and baseball has the same problem too so I just kind of want to get your take on the player marketing side of things, because we do have so many marketable players here. Yeah. You know, Andre Sveshnikov, Sebastian Ajo. And, and, you know, even I've seen we, we've talked about this a little bit, even with like Jack Drury. We've seen like a pretty good amount of stuff come out of, about him. And we haven't always seen that for like prospects that haven't even made the team yet. And, and we were kind of happy about that because we're all very high on Drury. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I just kind of wanted to get your take on that and, you know, what goes into those decisions and how you're going to
3: press certain players, essentially. First of all, Brandon, thank you for asking that because you reminded me that I forgot to send an email about something earlier today that I have to go after (laughs) this this podcast, go send an email and and I'm waiting on a proposal from another company about this very topic. So thank you. for that, uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's been a passion point, but also it, it's a struggle too. Hockey players are are very unique. They, and I say this as a compliment, they are very much team first. They absolutely, and I, I admire that, I respect that. Um, but also, it's like, come on, guys, can, you know, think about yourself a little bit here. Um, but they, they, so a lot of the younger ones do do uh, a little bit better on social. A lot of older ones, like they just you know, it, it's part of what they are, but it's more for fun and they may not value it the same way they could bring um, revenue in or, or career extension type things in or that kind of stuff. Um, but I do see the game shifting, especially with Instagram. Um, you know, players are very active on there. You, you will post something and I'll see a couple of our guys like it pretty quickly. Um, so I know they're on there quite a bit. I know they're practicing and lifting and doing all that stuff too, just in case Billy's listening. But um, I, I know that they're all active on on Instagram too. And um, you know that it's getting them active on social is a big piece because then we can amplify them better. Uh, they can share their their personalities better. So that's a big piece of it too. but it's not just there. that that is a big piece of the puzzle. and that's one that is it is a little challenging because, a, there's a language barrier that can be tough for a lot of cases, but B, it's also like you, you have to convince someone to take time away from, from training or their daily lives to say like, hey, this is something you should care about. And there, there is software out there that exists that we've worked with and, and, and tested that helps them get photos of themselves um, from games and they have like Getty or, or other photo integration things there, or we use a video tool called WSC that has uh it basically has AI based technology that cuts clips based on uh, the Jersey number, then organizes them into certain folders. And that's, that's awesome for social, but that'll also have integration with some of these tools so they can get highlights of themselves. The problem is not a lot of guys want to post highlights of themselves. They don't know what to post and it's tough. You can only give them so much. So It's an education thing in that standpoint, and it takes time and patience. And it's not that they're not educated on it. It's just that they have other priorities, not like a lot of other athletes. It's just it takes time and patience and continuing to communicate and and say, like, hey, this is this is worth some of the effort. Or we can work with your agent or other people like that. Um, Andre Svechnikov has been just absolutely phenomenal to work with in this sense. He gets it. his, His team gets it like he is, you know, he's the one posting on social. He does a great job with it. Uh, he understands the value. Marty too is another one. Marty's that's legitimately like really good at this. I I've told him a couple of times, like you, you, you could work in marketing, you know, and I want you to play for a long time, but when you're done, you know, let's talk about a, a marketing thing. He, he reminds me a lot of, if any are Panther fans of Greg Olson in terms of just he, how smart he is from a business standpoint and a branding standpoint, he's, he's brilliant. And, and Greg is the same way. Like I think Marty could do anything. Um, I want call his, his hockey career to be a long time, but I think when it's all said and done, he he can he can do anything he wants. Um Justin Williams on the one really good. But we want to start getting the young guys, the the Seth Jarbises and the 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 Suzuki's and other ones, like we want to get them comfortable with this stuff before they even get to the canes. And, and fortunately the nature of the, the industry is allowing for that, but still, we want to make sure we're capitalizing on it. We have the right hands in place and having, adding a social uh, coordinator to our staff is going to help with that, you know, and then we're going to be able to to tackle more of that stuff. So that's one piece of it. Um, But it's more than just them doing it themselves. It's also creating the right content, the rights opportunity to highlight these players. And a lot of times, a lot of teams will just focus on their stars and their people that are scoring big goals, the ones that have been national headlines. And I like taking a page from the 76ers a bunch of years ago when they were in the early stage of trust the process. They did a really good job of marketing every guy, um, the good ones and the ones that perhaps weren't as gifted, but still an important part of the team. And uh, I think it's important to showcase every player because for everyone that's a fan of Sebastian Ajo, there are a ton of fans for you know the, the Morgan Geekies or the Hayden Flurries who who are not as established quite yet or haven't had the same kind of opportunity on the ice to to thrive like we know they can. So it's important to make sure that you are capturing that. And hell, that, that was something I got a lot of flack for at the Panthers. It's like, all right, I post a photo of Cam Newton on Instagram, and I get 50,000 likes, I post the third string offensive lineman, and I get 5,000. And you know, it's, then I got to go tell my boss why our engagement dipped that week, like, well, it's because we focus on the O-line, and nobody you know really cares about that. <laughs> but it is in hockey is a little different. Um, everybody can score a goal, or, or goalies are always big. And that's something that's, that's been great for us. But uh, it's important to really uh, share the wealth and really give players the, the comfort to and the opportunity to share their personalities. It's still a challenge. Uh, the fact that they wear helmets, something as simple as that, like that, that makes it hard too. It's, it's hard to identify a lot of players, um, on, you know, with with their with their helmets on. So. It is something that is a challenge. It's one that we're always talking about. How can we get their personalities to shine more? Is it allowing them to design some merchandise that they would be accustomed for them? Is it? There's a lot of different things we can do with that. But it's it's a multi-pronged attack. It is getting them active on social. It is it is um, putting them in position to for us to amplify them on on social media. It, it is getting content with them that you know is sometimes fun and silly. But also there's other sides of that spectrum too. Of, you know, not every piece of content is designed to make people laugh. Sometimes it's to cry. Sometimes it's to excite. How can we get that access? How can we get them interacting with things that they're passionate about? Um, it's more than just favorite things, and it's more than just video and media too. It, it, sometimes it's editorial, and just getting them out there as much as possible, and and finding ways for them to interact with fans will, will help with that. But it does take a league effort too. That's something where. I think these new broadcast deals will be instrumental in marketing players uh, in a significant way Um oh, yeah. for ESPN to Turner to all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a really exciting time for hockey and it's a very good time to be good right now because ESPN and Bleacher Report and all that kind of stuff, they're going to, they're going to highlight players that are good. They want those metrics as well. So if you have a good player, who is exciting and fun maybe like someone who scores lacrosse goals a couple times in their career or a young you know exciting Finnish player who is is gonna set you know the goal you know uh, record one season and, or you know,
1: know hayden flurry
3: hayden flurry yeah Come exactly on, my like god Alan, Come on, how many times you know what i mean yeah going <laughs> we get know, better know, now that he's gone <laughs> he could be winning the Norris trophy this year he has that level of talent so you know anything like that 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 Is something great for platforms like Turner Sports and ESPN to really capitalize on. And that's going to help a lot, too. ESPN creates stars. I know they get a lot of crap. It's like, oh, it's for casual fans. And people associate Stephen A. Smith with it. But you know what? You get on ESPN, you bring a lot of casual fans in there. You get a lot of people who maybe weren't paying attention to hockey, pay a little more attention. And the beauty of hockey, I know you guys all know this, once you get hooked, you're in like oh, yeah. there, there's there's that barrier and once you cross that like once you go to a game once you start following it you realize there's this whole world of excitement and fun and 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 just playing. exactly and there's there's so much to it like i like my dad and i we never watched hockey growing up uh we just never did we it was just baseball basketball and that was really it and you know, when he, when I got this job with the team, he got NHL TV and this, this guy never misses a game now. Now he doesn't, for whatever reason in Jersey, he doesn't actually get the Rangers devils or Islanders because of like broadcast issues. God, like, like, NHL TV. And yeah, exactly. And, but he get he watches everything else. Uh, and he, you know, he'll watch the Bruins. He'll watch Vegas, he'll watch everything. He has become a hockey fanatic now because of this. And it's just because he, got exposed to the sport. So ESPN, Turner, uh, TBS, all them, they, they expose a lot of people, a lot of new fans to sports, and that's going to be big for marketing stars too, but it's about capitalizing on that after it's about giving them the tools to be successful themselves, empowering them on social media to engage with fans and get themselves out there. Because I remember sitting in NFL league meetings a bunch of years ago, and they were in a panic because Odell Beckham jr had more Instagram followers than every other NFL team combined at that time. (laughs) That's when they launched a whole division of like how to get players more active and successful on social. And it's worked out really, really well. It takes years to do that. And the, the NHL has made um, over the past couple of years, a significant investment in that. And it just, it takes time. That is not something that happens overnight, but the hope is that after a couple of years, hopefully a few more, that'll really pay off too, because being active on social, that's, That's so, so, so important. Um, And that's something that'll that'll help a whole lot.
1: I think even a player like Ethan Bear kind of goes into that, you know, he's got an entire community of people behind him and supporting him and you bring him into this fan base. And now you've got, you know, a whole a whole new genre of people kind of that you're applying to and and bringing into the fan base, generating some hype for them as well. So, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of possibilities with this team.
3: Very excited about Ethan. And, um, you know, one of my close friends from when I was at the Panthers, uh, his, his partner is a um, one of the leading uh, indigenous peoples, uh, researchers and wrote a couple books on the topic in in, in the state and I look forward to talking to her about how's the right way to engage and support this particular community. Because as you all know, North Carolina has a tremendous uh, indigenous population uh, in all parts, whether it's in in Lumberton, whether it's around here, there's a lot of that. And that's something that we would love to, to, to engage and support, whether it's raising money for certain charities that support those groups or bringing attention to certain issues that are in those communities. Um, Ethan, I haven't spoken with him or seen much about him outside of what is on social media, but he seems to be just a fantastic person and outstanding uh, representative for not only that community, but hockey in general. So uh, very mean, excited to work. I with him.
1: mean, you, you see that video where um, he had the, the kid coming to his camp who couldn't afford his equipment and he brings him in yeah. and, you know, he said, this kid needs to be here, buy some, all his equipment, man. And you're, you're a fan of any hockey team. Doesn't matter who, you know, even if you don't like the Hurricanes, you look at that kind of thing and you're just drawn in by this kid. You're like, you know, what, what a great kid. Uh, obviously he's about more than just the game. And I mean, it's just, it's just such an easy way to establish, um, you know, kind of charisma from other fans. You know what I mean? It's just
3: – Oh, yeah.
2: Same as Eric and We talked about that last yeah. week.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. him too. That's what's cool about hockey. I, I And maybe this happens in other sports. I'm just not paying attention. But, like, I do see – when a player does go to another team, there's still a deep appreciation and, and love oh, yeah. for those players, whether it's Hayden Fleury or whether it's uh, you know, a- Ethan Bear, like and all the Edmonton fans that are like, Hey, you got a good one. I still see oh, yeah. it with Nino. Like they'll they'll be Minnesota fans that'll be like, Oh man, I missed that I guy. Miss you know? Yep. it's it's cool to see that that level of of love and support and you know i think a player can quickly tarnish that if perhaps they you know make fun of the storm surge or something after a game and that can occasionally happen here and there but uh you know in in the larger scheme of things it's cool to see how fans respect and appreciate players that used to play for their teams and i know that happens a little bit in other sports but i I feel like i I see it a lot more and a lot stronger in hockey And, and it's it's cool that that's a a fun part of this community is, is the respect for, for players in that sense. And uh, you know, that's something that I think does help the game grow
0: in a lot of ways. We're going to end on a little bit of a lighter note here. Sure. Uh, so if there is one swear word that you could use on the Carolina hurricanes account <laughs> on a regular basis, Ooh. what would it be?
3: Mm, that is a tough one. A good one. I mean, there's a lot of times I've, I've wanted to drop an F bomb on certain. games. <laughs> um would have felt great you know in reference to banners or <laughs> andre
1: sveshnikov yeah. scoring a lacrosse goal you know what I yeah mean?
3: you know i i was on the keys for the first one and i <laughs> i had no idea i have this issue i i i wear glasses normally and uh i can see, i can't see close up but i need him to look at stuff far away and i so if you're posting on social media during a game um i have my glasses up and i i didn't actually see the goal but i hear all these weird noises from fans after that i'm like what happened <laughs> and i see twitter and then i see the replay and i'm like oh wow we have to do something with that um yeah i don't know how i would react to that one you know i i uh we have a slack channel that talks about like good and bad social posts and i know some teams um when some like in like basketball if someone hits a game-winning shot like the social the brand well the team brand will like it'll be like a bunch of gibberish on the keyboard and that, to me, I always hate. And I, I've harped on that with a few of people in different teams. Like um, when I was at the Nets, same thing. I told a coordinator, don't do that. Be ready for the moment. Be ready. You know, I know it's impossible to be ready for every moment, but you want to capitalize on this stuff the right way. You, you're representing a brand, not, you know, you, there's there's better ways to do it. So, But um, I, I would definitely... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty um, easy answer i mean there's there's a few times <laughs> i wish i would have used it in the past with with perhaps other teams uh you know that i'm sure <laughs> that you can look at a map of nearby teams and perhaps figure out which ones those teams might be uh because i think that would help uh enhance rivalries and whatnot uh, oh yeah it you know, with in, in with caution yes yeah <laughs> those 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 fun people now something but like that in but... all seriousness uh you know I know there's children on on uh, that the bird app, so we we want to make sure it's fun. But that, that's a that's a question I have asked many in our staff too, and in our industry. Like, if you got one f bomb on Twitter per year, like how would and where would you use it? It'd be so tough because like you get one, right? So you got to be real strategic, and you know there'd be a lot of people I'm sure using it at like eleven fifty nine on December thirty first just to get it out of the way. Um, but like you really want to call your shot there. So I don't have a good answer for you, but uh, it, it is a great question. I do you want to acknowledge that? Um, you know and and it's uh i think if the canes won the cup that might be a fun place to use it (laughs) right 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 excuse me when the canes yes
1: right yeah when well we'll forgive you this time
0: well dan we thank you for all of your insight and all of the hard work that you and not, not only just you but the entire you know marketing team does throughout the year a lot of it does go unnoticed because like we said at the beginning, this is the dead time of the off season for fans, right? There's there's absolutely nothing going on, you know, but pull back the curtain and it's the busiest time of year. So we really do thank you for, you know, taking time out of probably what is two hours of sleep that you're going to get tonight. <laughs> thank you all for your time. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to, to you all today.
3: And uh, I look forward to, depending on how this show does in the metric standpoint, being invited back or being banned <laughs> by Joe Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick shout out to our, the Canes marketing team, you know, Matt, Logan, Mike, Lauren, uh, Ashley, uh, Bethany, Amy, and um, Christine and, and Zach and Brandon and Brendan, and Hannah and Chris, uh, all of them uh, do an amazing job. We're very lucky to have them. And because of them, it is a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.